Hey everybody, we are live. I'm here with Adam Brown. I'm here with Kevin Little. I'm here with Brendan Sinone. I am Trey Roland. And today, the final, the piece de resistance, the final five of the Knowles 24-7 most important player list. We have whittled our way down to the final five. I don't believe, I think the one and two were unanimous. I don't know how much of a, of a variation we're going to have on this, the kind of the cream of the crop, if you will, of the Florida state roster, pretty determined. However, important nonetheless, especially if you talk about the kind of expectations that are placed upon the Knowles this season and deservedly. So guys, before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube live, thank you, Brendan. We're going to throw this on the old, uh, on the bench, uh, audio feed as well, or is it just for our YouTube peeps? No, we'll throw it on, on the OTV feed and let's give mm-hmm. a shout out to our sponsors, I suppose. Right. Fantastic. That was my favorite. Cause I like to do my ad reads. You guys come in here and let's do some ad reads. Knowles 24 seven on the bench sponsored by Chattanooga whiskey. That is right. The finest hooch ever produced in Tennessee. Brendan holding up a big thought bottle of the, what's that? The single barrel. Single barrel. Why would you ever need more than one barrel? Only if your whiskey's garbage. The finest barrel, single, just delicious. Just all of the flavors that you that you think of like happiness, right? In a bottle right there by your hand. You'll be feeling good. You'll be doing great. It's the best whiskey out there from coast to coast. It smashes whatever you love. And they love Florida State football. You can't get better. So if you want to get just piss in a bathtub, blind drunk, Chattanooga whiskey is the way to go. Just kidding. Drink responsibly. We love them. They have a bunch of craft variations as well, Brendan. So it's not only just that staple, what you can get, the the 111, the single barrel stuff. Mm -hmm. They do a whole bunch of like artisanal, which is a fun word to say, types of brews as well, right? I have a nice... Port wine. Oh, I mean, look at the ruby red on that. Yeah, so they do all sorts of cool stuff. Look at that beautiful caramel ruby hue, and that could only come from Chattanooga whiskey. The other booze you're drinking is trash. Chattanooga whiskey, it's what we choose. And guys, if you want to tie one on and you're thinking, hey, let me take advantage of these, like these mortgage rates that are out here now, which are so awesome, let's go to the Turner Group. Let's sell my home. Let's buy my home. They are the best husband-wife team. They own Central Florida. They own the entire state. They will take care of you no matter what your home buying, selling needs are. If you got a little rug rat that's 18 years old, you're booting them out of the house and they're going to FSU, they're going to Tallahassee, don't rent, you moron. Buy a home. Put the kid in the home. Reap the rewards when they leave and get that money machine going and have an investment for yourself. Don't light your money on fire like the Joker in Dark Knight. Invest! Invest! And the best investment that you could make in the real estate market is with the Turner Group. Guys, there's that number, 407-803-3885. The Turner Group. God, I love ad rates. All right. <laughs> Something that I might love even more than ad reads is the just the cream of the crop of this FSU roster. Guys... Adam, I'll start with you. What an exercise it was shaking your head because you've just been blessed with such oh, professional dazzled. Absolutely be dazzled. It was an exercise. 
to rank all these guys, and it was a fun exercise because the talent of the overall roster is much better. Were the top five a pretty easy choice for you just kind of overall before we get to the individual names? Um, yeah, well, I mean, the first one two and were, two, yeah, one and two were really simple. And then, like, I feel like like three through, I don't know, eight were all kind of guys you could flip and flop around. But for the most part, yeah, we were going to come to some sort of close consensus. Like I had, I believe I had Bless Harris ranked number four overall. Um, Bless so, but he fell, I mean, he fell not far from there. So yeah, I, I think for the most part, one and two were unanimous three through eight. They all, they were all kind of guys that you could, you know, you could move. They were movable pieces, but you weren't really wrong with any of them. Brandon, you've been covering the team for a few years now. Where does this like top five, this upper echelon of the talent compare to other teams of the past? Does it compare favorably to those teams that have achieved a lot in the Jimbo Fisher era? Are we maybe overhyping it a little bit more in the pantheon of Florida State talent? <laughs> yeah, there, there's some recency <laughs> bias of, of what the top five would have looked like in recent years. So, so certainly some of that. I mean, we've been doing the 40 most important countdowns since 2017, which was kind of also the countdown of down. Yeah, down, down. down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that roster on paper of DeAndre Francois doesn't get hurt. And you, you have a handful of, of high-end NFL guys on that roster. And this is probably the closest uh, to what FSU has had from a, a talent perspective since 2017, uh, where you have multiple high-end NFL talents, a couple day one guys up there, a couple day two types uh, that are that are within your top five or, or younger guys that are a little further down the list as well, Trey. So, yeah, I mean, it's – it's a really good group, uh, fairly top heavy, but like the depth stands out as much as anything with this list. And we'll talk about that at some point too. Uh, but, but you're aided by some superstars at the top, which is, which is a nice thing to have. Kev, what about you? The top end talent, are you, it, it seems that most of the talent would, I'm trying to think of what the split is offense to defense. What do you think is the most important, like part of this team to you from a talent perspective, Kev? Um, I would say that the offense is really top loaded. Um, very, I mean, the skill positions are are, are going to be as good as you're going to see across the board anywhere in college football this year. Um, I feel pretty confident saying that, you know, you've got a top three quarterback in Jordan Travis. Uh, you've got probably a top 10 running back group um, and then a top five, top three wide receiver group, all that put together. I mean, that's, that's about of, as good of a skill position group that, that you're going to see. Um, the offensive line and defense, I think, are are kind of a similar story where there's a few a few really bright spots, but for the most part, you just you have depth in those areas that you, mm-hmm. you generally didn't have before. Sands, probably the linebackers and, and the safeties. But um, yeah, the top-end talent, I think we're going to end up talking a lot more about offensive and, and skill position and that's not a bad thing because, you know, I think there's a reason that those guys make the most money when they get to the NFL. They're just that important. I agree with you, bud. Now, I think it's something, too. Now, if you guys are in the chat live, throw your questions in, throw your comments in. We will address them as we are an interactive medium and we care about you, the viewer. So keep throwing those in. We'll address those. And I think at the end, maybe we can have an overall. We've talked about the talent of this team relative to Florida State of like years past. I think maybe at the end of this, we should have a little bit of a discussion about the talent level relative to the teams that they're going to play, right? Mm-hmm. Talent level, like 
relative to the rest of the nation. We've got high aspirations this year. I think it's fair to talk about that. We can get that to the end. I say let's start the countdown and let's get to number five. Who do we have at number five? Keon Coleman. Kevin had him at five. Brendan had him at five. Adam had him at four. Zach, seven. I, five. Chris, five. Dane, nine. Did anybody have Keon above Johnny Wilson? I think AB did. Yeah, I think I did. Okay, I'm going to let you start off first because you did have him at the high. And like I said, this grouping is very close. We recognize and we understand the talent level of Keon. Adam, why do you think that he's a more important player than the guy who's generally regarded as being, I, I would say, more explosive? That's arguable. But what's inarguable is his uh, knowledge of the system and his experience on the team. I think this was just one where I went with who I think is the better player um, okay. between the two. And I think that some of that's going to play out in consistency. Johnny was too up and down for me last year with the drops and things like that. I mean, we know what his drop rates were. They were they were pretty rough um, as far as top flight wide receivers go. Uh, I think that uh, Keon is the better player, the more consistent player. There's going to be some needing to learn the playbook and getting that rapport down with Jordan Travis, but that should be going on right now that you get into camp, you get those kinks worked out, and then you get into that LSU game and he's ready to roll. Um, yeah, so for me, ultimately, I put Keon above because I just think he's a better player overall and a more going to be a more consistent player than what Johnny is. Brandon, how do you think that he fits in the office? You've have you gotten to see him work out a little bit since he's been on campus, Keon? We've I've gotten to see him in person. Okay, what do you that's, think? That's impressive in, in and of itself. Um, if you're if you're one to be like, oh, that dude's thighs look good, then <laughs> I knew you would be. I know you checked that out. You <laughs> listen. He's a very thorough. He's a thorough yeah, analyst. Wrist? Yeah, how are the thighs, brother? Well, the thighs. What thumbs up to... for the audio medium. Big thumbs up with a smile from Brendan for our guys listening on audio. Okay, keep going. Uh, the, the wrist, I don't know. I didn't get close enough a look. We'll, we'll ask uh, Dane for that. But um, Well, Dane clearly is not uh, super excited about his wrist size, seeing as he's ranked him at number nine. You know, I thought I was going to be like on the aggressive side for him, and we were all between four and nine for him. So all kind of in a similar range. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing crazy. I think you can make the case for him to be in the top four. And yeah, I don't think Dane's crazy for having him in the nine. I think that's kind of a sweet spot in that general range for him because uh, he is so physically imposing. And, and I think there's still a lot of like, there's still a lot of development to go in his game. When you watch him at Michigan state was such a poor quarterback. Uh, you could, you could see that there is a lot of uh, potential for him to keep growing into a vertical threat and to keep building on what he did as an intermediate threat this, this past year. Um, what, what I've liked and what I've heard about him is that he's really uh, kind of bought in pretty early on. You always hear positive things right in the, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I've actually seen like he shows up to all these summer camps and he's there hanging out with coaches and, and hanging out with players and like joking around. And like, he didn't have to be around at this point. Like he, he's, spending time with them. Uh, so he's helping expedite that process that AB mentioned of kind of building chemistry. I've heard some pretty impressive things about his physical ability based on what they've done in player run practices in seven on seven. So yeah, him and Johnny Wilson are going to be so close together, I think for production this year. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a, 
just pick what which one you like um, more. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Dane saying right now, Dane Draper, I would have had him a little higher if we saw him in person in her early return. So he would have raised his ranking from ninth. I say one thing that affected my ranking of him, having like a newcomer, especially a wide receiver. Sometimes there is a little bit of a uh, growing pains getting integrated into system. We saw that, you know, with like an Andrew Parchment or something a couple of years ago. I didn't have any of those concerns being like a newcomer, being integrated to Norvell's system and making a giant impact just because of what they did last year with guys like Johnny, Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman. Those guys were integrated very easily. So I don't expect maybe a game or two. I'm not really, I'm not really worried about him getting off to a slow start. He knows that this is where he's coming to show up and show out. And I think that he's going to make an instant impact on in game one, to be honest with you. Um, Kev, I, I think, go ahead. Well, I was, was going to say, I think that some people might, might balk at the idea that why we have two wide receivers. And I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm giving anything away. If you follow this series, Johnny Wilson hasn't been listed yet. Well, he's coming. Um, no, he's I think 42. that some people would maybe balk at the idea of having two wide receivers ranked in the top five. And no. I, I ranked, I just went and looked, I, I ranked Johnny fifth and I ranked Keon Coleman fourth. The passing game's got to be the thing that wins you football games moving forward. I don't think that you can, I know Mike's a running a running coach, and he believes in establishing the running the, the run and, and running the football, and I love that about him. And he, you know, he very bluntly said that to us on on the interview that we did with him when we had the film review um, that he's always going to be a, a coach who leans into the running game. Um, but I think for them to take the next step to beat LSU last year, they went empty and threw the football. Yeah. To beat Clemson, they're going to need to throw the football successfully, and it's going to start with. Johnny Wilson out wide and Keon Coleman out wide winning one-on-one matchups in dominating football teams and dominating opposing cornerbacks. Though I, Brendan thought he was aggressive. I felt like I needed to be aggressive with both of these guys because they are going to be the difference between winning 10 games and making the playoff in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm with you, especially after the conversation that we had with coach Norvell, the emphasis on verticality, explosiveness, putting points on the board, like it all, it all starts with that, with that run game and all the run concepts that they do, but it's so that they can throw the bomb to Johnny. It's so that they can hit the post with Keon. It's so that they can score points. Kevin, what do you think are the concepts in Norvell's offense that Keon is going to be able to unlock that maybe they didn't have last year? And then there has been some questions, I guess there's one guy who's very vehement about like who's Keon's backup. Like, so I guess, where does he slot in? like positionally and who's he grouped with in Norvell's offense, in your opinion? Yeah. So Keon, I think, I think in a, in a normal world, you're looking at him have, being in a similar position to, to Johnny Wilson, but obviously you're going to put them both on the field. They're both outside receivers, traditionally just being <laughs> taller guys. Um, I don't know. I Keon is definitely has more skills available compared to Johnny Wilson. I think he's a more all around wide receiver. Uh, Mm -hmm. when you compare them one-to-one, I think Johnny Wilson does one or two things elite. Um, and that's extremely valuable, but, uh, I think throughout this conversation, I've consistently gone back to guys that guys that are either matchup winners because they are elite at everything or guys that are matchup winners that are guys that are matchup winners because they're good at everything and guys that are matchup winners because they're elite at a few things. Sure. I think Keon Coleman is, is the Swiss army knife out of the two of them. He's the guy that 
you know, if if you have if you're facing a team that has an undersized slot corner, maybe you put him on the inside and he kind of bullies the guy in the middle of the field. Maybe their their second outside corner is is a little bit, you know, shorter or he doesn't have the foot speed. You know, you look at the matchups between him and him and Johnny Wilson and you say, well, one of the two is going to going to have a matchup, right? They, they you can't mm-hmm. cap both of them with safeties. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. So right. I think I think Keon Coleman kind of offers a little bit more of like the screen game and the the middle of the field game that you weren't quite getting out of Johnny Wilson. Um, but that being said, I don't think he's quite the jump ball threat as Johnny Wilson. And I say that I say that it's, it's hard for me to say that because Split he is hairs, a huge right? yeah, jump exactly. ball threat. It's just Johnny Wilson is elite in that category. The kid's six foot seven. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he's going to be an all round guy. I think, uh, what you saw kind of about a Darion Williamson, uh, last year in the, in the few glimpses you saw him, they're going to get him involved in the screen game. They're going to get the ball in his hands. He's a big frame, physical runner, move downhill. You're going to have big guys in front of him. Johnny Wilson is probably one of the best perimeter blockers in the country. Uh, you put those two guys on the same side. Uh, that's that's a screen game threat all day. Uh, and so I think he's just going to be a guy that they use to move around in different places and kind of be a matchup nightmare. Let's get to number four, because we talked about all these great things that Keon Coleman did. However, oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I, <laughs> I do want to think I want to think about that conversation that we just had about Keon when we talk about Johnny, who's still. TBD. We don't know where he's going to be. But let's talk about Fabian Lovett. Kevin, you had him at three. Brendan, you had him at three. Adam, you had him at six. Zach at three. I had him at six. Chris had him at six. Dane had him at 10th. I'd like to see Dane's top five. I'm very interested on what he had. Um, Pat Payton and Jaheim Bell. Brendan, I was going to go to you because you haven't talked in a smidge. You can go next. Adam, go ahead. It's a lineman. Sorry, Brendan. No, let Brendan go. I'm, I'm curious thoughts. Oh, he had a, he had okay. a three. I'm anxious oh. to hear what he's got to say. Oh, about a gentleman. Wow. It's not an offensive lineman, to be fair. He was okay conceding. That's uh, true. For, for a defensive lineman. So <laughs> with Fabian Lovett, I think I think some pushback that we'll get for having him in our top five, me having him in the top three, is the defensive line additions via the transfer portal. Brandon Fisk. Daryl Jackson, if he gets his waiver, whenever the, whenever that may be. Uh, that's a whole other uh, conversation, brother. <laughs> uh, it, it indeed is. Um, and then the returning guys as well. Uh, so you feel really good about the depth there. But but much like the conversation with wide receiver, I think the staff's actions like are, are reflective of how they value people. And they, they brought in – they want to strengthen a strength at wide receiver by bringing in Keon Coleman. And then with Fabian Lovett, they want to strengthen – uh, a strength of having him returning, which that was uh, a battle's end shout out. That, that was a big win for Florida State to get him to come back instead of going pro. Uh, and then you invest in bringing in other uh, talented defensive linemen with different skill sets as well. So you build around Fabian Lovett. And I think that's kind of why I put him at three, is just with, with, what I, with what I know about their plan and, and solidifying the trenches and having an abundance of depth and versatility in different types of they have multiple 300 pounders are going to be playing at any given time. Right. But they're different mm-hmm. types of 300 pounders. And, and Fabo is really the key piece of that in my estimation, because he can play 
a one tech if he has to. He can play a three tech. Uh, you watch him against LSU last year. Watch him healthy before he hurts his foot at the end of that game. He is legitimately tossing around SEC offensive linemen multiple times throughout the course of the game. A healthy Fabian Lovett uh, with another full offseason under him. He's probably like 24 now, 23. He's a grown man. He will be an asset if healthy and helping you win the few games that you absolutely have to win to get to where you want to go. And that's my reasoning for having him in the, in the top three. Yeah. He's like the centerpiece of all those combinations. It's always like, what's him and Jackson going to look like? What's him and Fisk going to look like? What's him and farmer going to look like? But to me, I think always like whatever the one, a defense, like interior defensive line presence is, he's always a part of it. Adam. And I guess it's a question for the group as well. Is he the consensus second best defensive lineman on the team? Yeah, in I everybody's think so. opinion. I think I think so. I think That's so. I, I think I had him ranked as such. I didn't know if anybody else thought maybe he might be the best. But I, they, I, I'd like I, to see what two Dane had in his top five. But to me, he's the <laughs> second best behind somebody we haven't talked about yet. If we're talking about today, then I think he's your second best. I think okay. both Fisk and Jackson have higher higher ceilings than him um, personally. Could potentially go higher in, in a draft situation, but. As it stands right now, if you're talking about playing the 2022 season, you give me two defensive tackles to take, or two two defensive linemen to take. I'm taking him number two, or ideally even the 2023 season. That would be that would be he'd probably be pretty valuable this year as well. Yeah, um, Adam, go. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think about Fabian's game? What are the things that he's really good at? Any, any room for improvement? Something that you want to see more out of him now? He's got some more comrades in arms in that defensive uh, tackle. Room. He, he he's a he's a great displacer of bodies. So guys that are in front of him, he does a great job of stacking and then removing them from their space. Um, so I, I think Brendan said he you know was throwing guys from um, Florida around and throwing guys from um, LSU around in the beginning of the season. Like that's what he does. He he wins one on one matchups, and you need that. And his presence was sorely missed in the run game last year when he was out. So having him back in the fold is massive. I put him at six merely because I just think the way the game is trended. Um, I put the two wide receivers above him. The top two we'll get to, and I think everybody's able to guess that. And then I put bless Harris up in up in my top five. That's really the main reason why Fabo slid. I just value that. Um, what I perceive is going to be a top offensive tackle more than I do the defense tackle. Mm-hmm. But Fabo is a stud. I mean, there's no denying it. He's a grown man. He's a guy that against LSU, I think you could argue was maybe the best player on the football field um, last year. And well, that's before. an impact. I mean, that's, that's pretty damn significant. What Kev? I would probably say that after uh, their defensive tackle went down, but well, yeah, well, that's fair. But uh <laughs> I mean, he's a stud. He's just he's just a dude. He he can rush the passer. It's not his strength, but he does. He is able to do it. Um, it it's funny because I had Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson paired, and I had Fabo and Braden Fisk paired. Um, well, hmm. I was just looking at my rankings. I just feel like those guys they they are difference makers for your football team, and difference makers are always going to be important in the long run. And um. I don't think Brendan's wrong for or Kev's wrong for having it three. I just dinged him a little bit because like Brendan, Brendan kind of said, you've got so many bodies in the D tackle room. I think it's tough to say even your best one is a top five guy when 
the drop off I don't think is significant there like it was last year. If it well, was the same room as last year, I think you could make the argument that Fabian Lovett might be number two overall. Yeah, and that's fair too. Like I said, it's the most important list. So I that's kind of how I put in some of my rankings too. Like if this guy did go down, how yeah. catastrophic would it be? Kevin is the resident Fuller lover by every single solo video that you do. <laughs> Just taking a torch to the message board, lighting it aflame and laughing at the ashes. What does an improved interior presence, what sort of things can that unlock for defensive coordinator Adam Fuller? Like what sort of things does having a strong interior run stopping and pass rush presence? Like what, what are the main benefits that the defense is going to see out of that? Yeah, so uh, this is the reason I, I put him so high. I put him at three. Um, Florida State's going to want to have a light box. They're going to want to stop explosive plays. And by doing that, and in order to do that, they're going to keep two safeties back as much as they can. Mm-hmm. It's what Iowa does. Iowa's got one of the best defenses in the country year in, year out. Shout out. It's what Georgia does for the most part. I think Georgia's a little bit more blitz heavy than Iowa, but still... All of these elite teams, all these elite defenses, they're built on being able to stop the run with as few people as possible and really focus on taking away the pass and the explosive pass in that. And so in order to do that, in order to keep those two safeties back, you have to trust your defensive line to win matchups up front. Um, And they didn't when Fabian Lovett went out. Mm -hmm. And it feels like every year as someone who follows FSU, we're talking about the defensive line being the best unit on the team. I, I swear in preseason, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> we always say the defensive line is going to be the best unit on the team. And every year we get into the season and we're like, well, the defensive line isn't as good as we thought it was. Um, it's guilty. not bad, but it's not guilty. great. Yes. What? I guilty over here. Of, of they practice. look like it, but for your point though, and I think that illustrates your point is they look like they probably could have been against LSU, man. If everybody yeah. remembers until the fumble and the late score and everything like that, they put the clamps to a very impressive LSU mm-hmm. offense filled with a lot of receipts. And a lot of it's because they couldn't get anything going. And you, you saw the stark difference that happened once Fabian Love got injured, like as far as like in the, in the Louisville games and things of that nature, like it was, I'm an idiot, dude. I saw it with my own eyes. And I, I and you guys backed it up with the analysis. So I think that that even proves your point, Kevin. And yeah, that's my thing is that Fabian's really the only person that I know that when he steps on the football field, he will be a dominant defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I can say, you know, Braden Fisk looked good against Michigan he looked pretty good against Michigan. I can say Daryl Jackson looked pretty good in times against Miami. I can say, you know, Daniel Lyons has looked really good in practice, but we've evaluated these defensive tackles based off how they look in practice every year. And we've been wrong. I know Fabian Lovett's going to be good. And I know you can hang your hat on him being a dominant interior defensive tackle that can allow you to keep two safeties back and be successful as a defense. I hope the other guys work out but I wouldn't trade that for knowing game one that he's going to be there for you. Well said. Well said. Next guy. Wow. I, I like that. Well said. I thought that was well said, dude. I, I mean, he's stats guy, dude. You got to see it it. provable data. Number Johnny. three, Johnny. <laughs> Comes into view. Yeah. So Kevin, you had him at six. 
Brendan, Brendan four, Adam five, Zach four. I had him at four, Chris three, Dane three. So I think this is kind of taking it back to the conversation we had on Keon Coleman. Who do you prefer in your it's wild because the offense has two legitimate number one wide receivers. <laughs> but what do you what do you value higher in your number one wide receiver? Do you value the very, very good generalist, the guy who can do multiple things well? Or do you kind of go like the Anderson Silva Israel Adesanya route for my MMA people? And do you like highly value the extreme specialist who's pretty good at some of the other stuff, but he is so overwhelmingly good at that one elite skill? that it presents such a matchup problem. And for that, we're talking about the explosiveness, the size of Johnny Wilson. And honestly, man, because I love talking about it and watching it, that perimeter blocking in this offense, yes. I think should be grouped <laughs> right up in there with those elite jump ball skills because he demolishes, steamrolls, embarrasses people on the outside. And it take a look at a lot of those chunk runs. Johnny Wilson was a part of those. So I think I'm going to go with passing, passing guy. Got to go passing guy. Kevin, talk to me about Johnny Wilson. Looks like you were the, I mean, comparatively, you were lower on him than the rest of us, but he's he's clearly like one of the five most important guys on the team. What, what did you think? Why did you ding him a little bit versus Keon? Yeah, so I put him behind Keon and behind Bless Harris uh, for a similar reason that A.B. was talking about earlier, just tackles being very important and i think we really believe in bless harris also i think it's a a product of i think there have been a lot of times during this list where you can see where people who have been really high on a player end up being the lowest ranked on them on this list Mm, and i think it's a little bit of this product of me being like people are going to think i'm crazy for putting johnny wilson (laughs) at three because i love johnny wilson johnny wilson's probably my favorite player on this team in the sense of just what he brings you as an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's just, he's just a dude out there. He's he, yeah, his blocking shouldn't be underestimated his jump ball threat. He's there's just, there's not a cornerback in the country that can line up one-on-one on a deep ball of Johnny Wilson and win consistently. Um, yeah, exactly. Johnny Wilson is a Madden creative player. He, he is, literally is. That's a great comment. DJ, yo, crank the height as high as you can and <laughs> and just like throw him out there. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I was low on him, uh, but I think that was more of me just trying to read the room. And I'm glad that other people held up, held up their end of the deal. I love that, dude. That's just being honest, right? And you've never <laughs> been one to throw your weight like in a crazy way behind a player. Tate Rodemaker for Heisman Graphic every time we talk about him. <laughs> Listen, uh, and, and, and to me, we talked about the inconsistencies, which is something where you could say, well, again, maybe I do. Maybe Keon is more important. To me, that just shows that he's even as good as he was last year. He's still got another level up that he can go. And I thought that he got more comfortable as the year went on as shown by him making a lot of tough catches over the middle. Not everything. He wasn't just like a fade route specialist. You know what I mean? Shout out to like the Jeff Bowden days. Like he made some tough catches, right, Brendan? Yeah. I mean, and you see Johnny Wilson every day at practice to be it is conceivably, do you think there's a good chance that we could see an even better version of Johnny than what we saw last year after his breakout season? Uh, yes. I think that's why I had him ever so slightly higher uh, among the two wide receivers. And like I probably said 
other times that I think I would take Keon Coleman as a slightly better prospect than Johnny Wilson. But mm-hmm. I think there's still and as much room as I think Keon Coleman has to go. Like I think Johnny Wilson has even more like left of, of what he can possibly hit. And we saw it this spring. And I think that's like, we saw glimpses of it this spring with him becoming a more well-rounded wide receiver because last year in the spring, it was a lot of that, that fade pattern stuff. Right. And then you just seem to get a little bit more comfortable during the season. Uh, and and then that carried over to even more progress in the spring where he was just so businesslike in his movement skills. Like I thought was uh, just so different than it was a year before, like some of the agility and some of the ability sure. to cut quickly. It just, it didn't look to that extent a year ago. And so that's what excites me is like, Oh, what is a whole nother summer going to look like? What is having Keon Coleman uh, opposite of you going to look like as far as spacing and room to operate? Like, yeah, there is the, very realistic in some of its projection, right? But there's a very realistic possibility that Johnny Wilson takes another monstrous step forward because he did last year too. Like he wasn't a household name going into going into the season. We didn't even know if he was anything other than a perimeter blocker. Yeah, um, maybe Dev did. Uh, but lo and behold, like he was the I, first person I outlined in my 2022 season preview. I just got to point that out. So humble, Kev. Um, <laughs> Thumb the chest, brother. <laughs> we, we, Johnny Wilson may not be like a household name right now but i think like a general like football fans like who's that really tall wide receiver for florida state and the next step is to become like everyone knows who who johnny wilson is i think that's possible this season it'll, it'll be interesting it, as i refer back to the conversation we have with norvell he really I, I explain your offensive philosophy what's your philosophy one-on-one matchups our best guy our worst matchup nightmare against your lesser defensive back the worst matchup nightmare for anybody on this team physically and almost I'd say even offense and defense, right? It's gotta be Johnny Wilson from a physical perspective. Adam, do you agree with that? Um, Either him or Jaheim bell, maybe, I don't know. Just because Wilson in the open field, maybe. Yeah. I don't Uh, know, man. I just, I mean, I, what Johnny can do. I don't know. First Johnny Keon. I, Jaheem trade. I mean, I there's so I just think there's a plethora of them now. It's nice. Um, Good word. Yeah. <laughs> nice word. <laughs> there, there's just a lot of guys that are matchup freaks. I mean, I think I feel like I've had this epiphany every time or this moment every time we've had this conversation during these lists. And it's like, damn, how are you going to stop this offense? I it's a freak plethora, baby. I just don't know how teams are going to do it. Um, you, you, you know, you should have the physical freak consistency of a Keon Coleman with maybe the next big step in Johnny Wilson. Oh, Zach, Zach chiming in with I'm right. Okay, Zach. All right. Mr. Blowstein. Hey, Zach. I, I just, I, it, 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 it really boggles my mind uh, to think about what teams are going to try to do against this, this offense and how they're going to try to figure out a way to stop it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as how many dudes are there that are, you know, matchup nightmares, I mean, Jared versus Johnny Wilson is, you know, I think Brendan's right. Trey Benson is trying to tackle that. That guy is, is crazy difficult. Um, Keon Coleman is Jaheim Bell is they're They're up and down the, this list. Now. I, I still think you can get in Johnny's chest and slow him down. And I wonder, I wonder if teams have watched his film and maybe found some things that they feel like they can exploit of his game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that being a little bit more press and getting up in his chest and seeing if he, if he could get off of it. But if you're going to do that, he, you're going to open yourself up to a lot of other issues like a Keon Coleman on the opposite side of the field, a Jaheim Bell running some pick stuff. Um, yeah, that's, they, they've got, they've obviously offensively got ways to kind of, to exploit those um, potential weakness areas for Johnny. I, I'm, I was excited to hear the spring that he had. I mean, Brendan constantly talks to us and kind of, you know, says, says like, Hey, look like this, this looks really good. That looks really good. And then obviously gives super detailed practice reports about what's going on. It just seemed like Johnny was taking the next step. It's really freaking weird, though. You don't hear about Johnny at all. Like this offseason, and even last offseason, I'm not sure I've heard Johnny Wilson's name mentioned once by anybody. It's just like the guy just doesn't exist, and then he shows up, and he's a freak show on the football field. Is there something to that, Brennan? Is it just yeah. because he's a consistent presence, or is he more of a gamer? Uh, I think he's – no, he, he's <laughs> – Apparently there was a seven on seven. I mean, how much I would love to be there for those. There was this yeah. day where it was Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, and Destin Hill, like just yeah. all one day, all within like an hour <sighs> doing freaky things. Uh, granted, seven on seven, one day mm-hmm. in the summertime. It is what it is. Cue in someone freaking out about the defensive back room now. <laughs> um, oh, look at you. Just writing the narratives for people. Fantastic. Uh, he, uh, he is quiet, so there's some of that. And I think, like, ultimately, it's just human nature. Like, we're all excited about the new toys. And there's a ton of them. And it's a lot of fun to, like, dream about, oh, where are we going to put Jaheim Bell? Like, is he going to mm-hmm. be in the slot? Is he going to be an H-back? Can he put him at running back sometimes? Can he throw the football? Can he punt it? Like, yeah, like, that's going to be fun. Uh, what is Keon Coleman going to do to take pressure off Johnny Wilson? What's Destin Hill like? Yeah, we're going to talk about all the the new the new toys. But, like, uh, really, like, the – some of the biggest wins of the off season were bringing back Johnny Wilson, bringing back mm-hmm. Trey Benson. Um, spoiler alert, who's going to be number one. You not only bring back Jordan Travis, I don't think it's been talked about a lot, but like you had to fend off like other programs at the power five level that wanted Jordan Travis. He wanted to come back to Florida. State oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. Imagine like, his value on the open market, man, like a top, uh, the top five, top three quarterback in the entire uh, country. Like probably that, like, I'm not privy to the exact details, but probably like three to like, it, it would have been crazy if, if he did hit the open market. And so like, uh, we are so, I think this is a cool place that we're in as Florida state fans and followers right now is that, uh, we were spoiled right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because of what you have coming back and your comfort level in that. And you can kind of look ahead to like what could be, um, yeah. but what could be is largely because of what already has been. How's that yep. for philosophy? That was good. dude. <laughs> All right. Very Arist- Aristotelian. Very nice. Um, yeah. And for somebody just to add on to it, why I had him a little bit higher than Keon for a coach that warships at the church of explosiveness. That's Johnny. That's Johnny all day. So let's move on to number two. I don't think it's going to be a massive shock <laughs> because a unanimous dose. Look at all those deuces on the board. Patrick Swayze would be happy with all those double deuces. Kevin to Adam to Brendan to I'm to everybody's a two deuce party. It's your verse. And on any other team, the their best player wasn't their quarterback. This guy has a shot at being the best player at pretty much almost any team in the country. He came out of the gates. He transitioned from the FCS level seamlessly. 
He was a monster pass rusher. I was extremely, and I can, I'll keep talking about it forever. The power that he possesses, and that was right from the rip, I thought was extremely impressive. I don't really feel like anybody talked about it as much as we did. And I thought he had a wonderful year, put himself on draft radars. And he's still got a lot to improve. There was a couple of times he took himself out of plays last year, specifically defending the run and the zone read and things like that. So once again, one of the best, if not the best edge in the country, like one of them in that conversation for sure, if you look at mock draft boards, has room to improve. The sky's the limit. Adam, what do you think about Jared versus game? I mean, what? What are the things that he need to improve upon? What are the things that he is elite at that makes him the second most important player on a conference championship contending team? His power to speed is freakish. Like, explain that to people that don't understand what you mean. So he's that. able to play. He's able to engage with power and get you off balance and then blow by you. Um, so he or he uses really strong hands, gets leverage a strong punch and then is able to dip and uh, get mm-hmm. underneath of you explosively. Okay. Like his, his speed to power is really good. And we said that that was what he was best or I'm sorry, his power to speed. He was going to come in as a, as a legit power rusher. He was going to need to kind of build off of that repertoire. He did last year and he's still developing those rush moves. Like I, I think the next step for him is developing a plan of attack every game mm-hmm. of understanding um, how to go in, how to go into a football game and rush the quarterback and to beat the offensive tackle that's a, that he's going to line up across from. That's a lot of, that's next level stuff that you hear a lot of, of pro players talk about a lot. Um, Aiden Hutchinson was big on that when his time in Michigan, he, he was supposedly very, very highly regarded as a guy who went into with a plan of attack for every game for how he's going to win as, as a pass rusher. Those are the little nuances that, that uh, Jared's going to need to continue to improve at. Stopping the run was probably the biggest thing that he need, needs to get better at. He played high way too often. I know, I think JP talked about it a little bit in the summer, in the springtime, um, and Jared did also, that, that that was an area he needed to get better at. And that was something they felt like he could improve his draft stock. He gets upright a lot. Um, not He doesn't lose leverage, but he just gets upright and kind of run out of the play mm-hmm. from time to time. So he's going to need to play, a, play with a little better pad level, a little bit lower and learn to kind of control his gap and control that run game better. And if he can do that, like there's no doubt in my mind, he could be the best defensive player in the country this year. Wow. High praise. I mean, I, am I, am I and wrong? I, but I, no, but the thing is, I agree with you because the good, the intangibles, the, the pros popped off the screen so much that with tweaking of the things that you said and kind of just his development as a football player, the variety of moves, the strategic piece of being a defensive end, as far as like what you're using to set up moves and counter moves, you add that to that physical profile, dude, game over. Good luck blocking him, especially with Pat Payton on the other side. Just disgusting, a disgusting dilemma for offensive tackles throughout the Atlantic Coast Conference. Kevin, when you watch, oh, go ahead, Adam. Go no, ahead. I, I mean, I think he's serious about his craft, too. I mean, Brendan can, sure, probably, that's, can yeah. certainly speak this a lot better than I am. And I can. He's around these guys much more frequently than I've ever been. But he, he strikes me as a guy that, who takes this very seriously. Did, um, did you guys know that he meditates before games? No. Like, he, <laughs> it's like, it's for like five minutes. He picked that up from someone, one of his teammates at Albany, and he does that before every game. Yeah, he's. He, I was out at a camp 
at the end of June and he went out by himself and just went to the corner and was just working on different like pass rush moves and agility stuff, just chilling by himself, like very cerebral, different, different player, different person. And um, not a surprise that he's successful. Kevin on film, who did anybody that he reminds you of the things that stick out to you? I mean, how having that may, I guess maybe elaborate on how we talked about the interior presence and why you rated Fabian Lovett so high. Talk about how much better Jared Verse could even get just with some of the help that he's going to get on the inside, man. Like, what do you do from an offensive line coach perspective, from an offensive coordinator perspective to stop this? Yeah, I think um, you're just you're looking at a pass rush that's that's pretty pretty stout. I mean, we were talking about it last year, um, and that was before we really even knew what Pat Payton was going to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you've got Bra- Braden Fisk sitting there as a potential pass, like an elite pass rushing three technique. A hundred quarterback pressures in his career for Braden Fisk. A hundred. From the inside. Come on. And then you can put someone either like uh, Daryl Jackson um, or Fabian Lovett who just kind of collapses the pocket. Mm -hmm. Or you could put another true pass rusher there, like someone like Dennis Briggs, who has, you know, is in the 80th, 90th percentile and, and pressures for a defensive tackle. And so... That's that's just hard to defend. And like I was saying earlier, the defense wants to their their main priority is to stop explosive plays. So they're going to cap you with two safeties, and they're trying to stop explosive plays. Other than coverages, you know the best way to stop explosive plays. Tell me, Kevin, have a defensive <laughs> end that can get in the backfield before the quarterback can take a three step drop. Snuff it out, baby. Like, why make it so complicated? Blitz Schmitz. Just sack the quarterback every time, right? On offense, call the touchdown play. Defense, call the sack play. Well, that's the thing. When people are saying, like, ah, you should be more aggressive. You should be more aggressive. You should be more aggressive. But when the strength is Jared Verse and the weakness is secondary, you don't want to give extra help to Jared Verse, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I had a this, this offseason – uh, this, I'm just gonna be more like me fanning the flames. Uh, FSU, you can't happened. help. You can't help yourself. You complain about the board <laughs> chaos, yet you thrive off of it. So go ahead, you little anarchist. Go ahead. Adam Fuller's defense was top nationally, or at least top in Power Five, in its success rate when blitzing. So basically, when Adam Fuller said we're gonna blitz, like they got home at a higher rate than anyone else in the country. Um, which then spurred the criticism of why don't they blitz more often? (laughs) The one to limit the explosive plays. But I think the one thing that kind of encompasses what you guys are saying, not only is Jared verse like the bedrock of all this. (laughs) Just go ahead, dude, Kevin, start your own, like other, like your ASMR of, yeah, whatever. And only fans and just read out like uh, success rates and like catch radiuses or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some like wrist sizes. That. For that. Yeah. Hell, yeah. I might subscribe. I bet you would, Panama <laughs> Red. Um, but the thing about Jared Verse is that for some other units on the team, like the safety unit, the defensive back, we got some guys that you know are solid, but the depth behind there isn't as stout as the defensive line. Jared Verse makes all those other position groups on defense that are either good to somewhere questionable. He makes them all better too. Mm-hmm. He's like the Jordan Travis of the defense in that way that the, like the butterfly effect kind of emanates out. And the better he is, the better 
everybody is. So that's why I had him at number two, and I think that's a lot of the reason why you guys did as well. Yep. All right. Let's go to number one. Unanimous one. Ryan Fitz. Oh, wait. Ah, Cotton Fitzsimmons. Maybe next year. Jordan Travis, unanimous one. This is easy. Like we said, it's the most important position. And I would still argue that he's the best player on your team, regardless of position. I would say that just with his development, what he showed last year, his development as a passer, his development as a decision maker, his willingness to start to test some concepts over the field. And of course, whenever he needs to think of the Florida game, He's got the wheels when he needs to, and he's still capable of doing the amazing. He is a legitimate Heisman wit, the front runner contender guy. Winner. I just I said that, Scott. If that happens, or, or, or. just no, clip that out, dude, because I'm the jinx master right there. He's a legitimate Heisman contender at quarterback. I don't think that it can be overstated how important that he is and how good that he is. Now, Brendan Norvell said something that Jordan Travis not only like praising all the things that I just said, but that he was also the most improved player this spring. <laughs> True or false? Like what's, what's the deal? I don't uh, want you to call Norvell a liar, but go ahead. Yeah, make th- thank letter. you for putting me in a really good situation there, Trey. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. My <laughs> vote would have been Johnny Wilson as the most improved player because I thought he expanded his game that much, but you know, if, if the guy making $6 million a year to coach football wants to say that the quarterback one was the most improved player, far be it for me to disagree. How many slingshots do you have? None. He doesn't have any anymore either. Oh, he's got a Maybach. Okay, never mind. Yeah. So even, that even adds more credence to my point. Listen to the Maybach guy. I just got a Subaru Outback, but, you know. Oh, you would, dude. Ska boy. Like, just Ska. Granola crumbs all over it. Just like, sure. I, I know you. I know you Central Florida people well. Continue. Okay. Where did you see Jordan Travis improving? He, he was legitimately better in this spring. And I thought like his, this is kind of a continuation of what it was last season, which was also a continuation of what it was the season before. Like there's kind of this cool upward trajectory with Jordan Travis. If, if you guys haven't like caught on to, to that. Wait, I don't know you guys have. I'm saying the. The listeners know we get excited talking about Jordan Travis. Of course, he's man. Getting better, right? Um, and what I saw with him, like with his his A game, like his, his best ball, like the the ones that make you go, ooh, like he would do that a couple of times, you know, in games last season. I think right. the Jordan Tech game, he had a couple of really nice times down the sideline for scores, uh, where guys made him look really good after the catch as well. Uh, he made those big boy throws, I thought, like the most confidence he's had and the most consistency he's had and making them in the spring where he would just like let it rip uh, and push the ball downfield with a level of like confidence and, and poise that I think was building off of last year. So uh, from my, like, not, I'm not a coach. So there's seen things and knowing the progressions beyond what I can tell, but like Mm -hmm. just in terms of like raw physical ability, like, yeah, that was, that was definitely uh, another step in the right direction for Jordan Travis. Kevin, what is the most important part, impressive part in Jordan Travis's game to you? And what are some things that he, if he could improve upon his really, really good performance from last year, could make Florida State a possible playoff team? Yeah, so uh, we have these stats. Oh, well, that, that one guy's going to be happy. Read it to him yeah. in a very sultry voice. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be. Hey, now, pressure. 
yeah, so you can kind of see his progression from 2021 to 2022. Uh, so I think PFF, no, SIS made this chart. Whoever that is, thank you for making this. Um, they chose blue as the, the highest color, uh, which was a choice. Um, so red <laughs> is the lowest color, yellow right in the middle, gray above red for some reason. Uh, yeah, their color coding is terrible. But if you're listening to audio, it doesn't matter. You can see where he went from red to blue, which is positive EPA rate versus pressure, sack interception rate versus pressure, and on-target rate 20-plus yards downfield. Um, every other place, he was generally pretty good. Yards per attempt, depth of throw, uh, boom, bust percentage. Uh, that That's interesting. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so if we're just talking about ways that he can potentially improve, um, so uh, you see that his on-target rate, 20-plus yards downfield, positive EPA rate versus pressure, those both went up. I think that is a sign of two things. One, I think he understood the offense better. I think he was more comfortable operating within the offense. But two, I think he also had outlets that he didn't have the year before. Mm -hmm. um, and he has even more of those. So even if he doesn't improve as a quarterback from year to year, he has better options to him mm -hmm. uh, that will make him look better. Um, not saying that I don't think he will improve. I, I think that his mastery of the offense, getting the offense in the right play, um, understanding how to read the field. I, I think you're only going to see him throw more touchdowns and less interceptions as this year goes on. Um but I, I, I think on a the truest level of where Jordan Travis is special mm -hmm. comes in this boom and bust percentage. So uh, these are just fancy percentages. Or th these are percentiles, right? That have to do with plus one EPA versus minus one EPA. EPA is just estimated points average. It's go. not very important, but what it's saying is that even in 2021 he was elite in generating explosive plays these boom plays mm -hmm. right he's 26.5 percentile or percent which is top percent. with an on target rate in 2021 not so great right which is interesting that that boom percentage is so high so is that a lot of would that indicate that a lot of it was actually through his legs or is this all passing stats uh, th I think it's going to be through his legs and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that both is included here. So I, okay. I think part of that's through his legs. I think part of that, I mean, even if you're not terribly accurate downfield, at, at least you're making it, but that accuracy went way up. It probably yeah. helped to be throwing to, to Johnny Wilson at six foot seven. Um, the boom percentage, I mean, really has nowhere to go. I mean, it's already elite, you know, in the top yeah. percentile, right? It's already elite. His bus percentage went up, right? He he wasn't he wasn't getting negatives, right? He he's now gotten to the point where he's really good at generating explosives and really good at avoiding non-explosives or, or negative plays. Um, mm. The the guys, he's just a special college football player. Um, whether or not that translates to NFL is a totally different question, but. Do you know who the winningest quarterback was and is in college football? History? Go ahead, buddy. I know who it is. Oh, We've had this God. conversation before. Drop it, Mr. Bronco. It's a guy that didn't start a single game in the NFL. 
uh, Kellen Moore. So uh, you can be a special college football player. You can be one of the best quarterbacks in the country and not be, you know, not be that guy. I, I think Jordan Travis definitely has a higher upside than Kellen Moore. I'm just saying that it's a different skill set, and I think he's an elite college player. I agree, and I'd say, honestly, when you look at those numbers for those people that can't, it's a lot of blues, which is the highest percentile, and a lot of greens, which is next highest. The only thing that looks like he could really improve upon is his arm target rate 10 to 19 yards, which would be that kind of middle of the with the middle of the field, which who knows Mike just saying throw the bomb. There were a couple of games last year, if you want to talk about some of the faults, where the offense did stall. I think I remember the NC State game coming to mind where there was a lot of deep throws that we missed on. You had the Keon Coleman's, you had the Jaheim Bells, you had the healthy Winston Wright. Now that middle of the field, now there is no place to stop Jordan Travis, especially when he's shown that type of meteoric improvement from year to year. <laughs> That's fantastic. They love the A stats MR stuff. It's good stuff, Kevin. Like I said, you've you've unlocked a cottage industry. Adam, what do you think about these numbers? I'm no. sure they, they you don't like them. Numbers are I haven't paid, me I no, paid no attention. Me don't no like, no like numbers. Coach, <laughs> tell me, coach, tell me what why the hell Jordan you guys good. just were yeah. talking about. Tell me why he's good to you, Coach Man. Uh, I went back and found an old spring game film review that we did. Do you, do you think it's okay if we turn it on? Give it five minutes. I'm sure it'll be fun. This is Jordan Travis in the 2020 spring game. Oh man, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and I mean, it may move a little slow because I'm sure we're talking in the background, but I just look at, look at those mechanics, look at his feet and his arm, look how out of sync he is and think to now where he is now. I mean, I can't believe what he's become, what he's turned into. And I know a lot of people are, are sitting out there and they're going to say, Oh, he's not. Yeah. I mean, Look at that base. He's way out of rhythm. I, I'm amazed what he's become. I know a lot of people are, are I'm sure there's some people out there that are going to say, well, he's not a top this whatever quarterback in the country. I don't care what he is. He's a special football player for running this offense. And it's incredible what he has done to become a, an elite quarterback at the college football game. And what the staff has done to help him. You were talking, Trey, you were talking about the the one little bit of stat that I picked up. You were talking about um, <laughs> the one thing that I kind of listened to. While you were talking about the zero to nine yards. Yeah, ten to nineteen, that range. Yeah. yeah. He um I mean, I can think of the number of balls that got dropped in that range. Yeah, his head Cam, not, not, uh, not to dump all over Cam McDonald, who hopefully makes the Green Bay Packers, but the number of passes that he dropped throughout the course of the year, I mean, it was six, seven. He, you catch those, and suddenly things change drastically for you. Um, Why is Denarius Robinson 10 yards, 15 yards down? Brother, no. don't, don't, don't. 2020 oh, was are, a dark time. Right, and I'm a turning lot it of off because you're yeah. poking the bear. You're driving the Adam Fuller train. Here we go. Get Adam you. Fuller would never. <laughs> Listen. I, go ahead, Adam, but you're right. Just from a mechanic standpoint, and that isn't something that just happens overnight. A lot of credit to Jordan Travis's game is given to his physical skill sets, his legs, things of that nature. This kid has put in so much work to become an elite passer of the football. 
in the college game, right? Like maybe not yeah. from an arm strength. He's maybe not the top yeah. of the heap from an arm strength perspective, but we've seen him throw a pretty deep ball and we've seen him more importantly, really up his accuracy and his decision-making is really good. The boomer bust thing that Kevin said, maybe a stat that you heard for the first time tonight, not too many negative plays. When you think about Jordan Travis, which mm-hmm. is impressive seeing how many times Florida state likes to generate explosive plays. Yeah. His ability to run out of run out of negatives is insane. I mean, you saw what he did against Florida. <sighs> he single handedly won that game for them with his ability to get away from the rush. I think this is an interesting. Oh, Ingram, what up, brother? What up, <laughs> get man? Out of my my dude? Get here at the TBE uh, ears. Yo, right man, here. come on now. I got time get to be in here. Plane. Um, we got to be out there. You know, you know what. Why are you talking like that when you like talk to Ingram in the chat? Why, why do you put that affect on? <laughs> I get wild and crazy. I, I didn't want to have this conversation though. That's why I had this one up here. Um, yeah, he's James not James Win- Winston 2.0. No, as no, far no. as the Mount Rushmore, this if, is a good if, question. If Jordan Travis does the things that we think he's going to do this year, and they, I don't know, go crazy and, and he wins the Heisman, and Heisman. they make the they make the playoff. Does he make does he make it on the Mount Rushmore? He's number yeah. one on Mount Rushmore. I'm if he wins you, the Heisman, if he wins the Heisman, but he doesn't win a national championship. Uh, he, he's he still, can't be number one on the he can't be number one on the Mount Rushmore if he has. No, I would say if you if you want if he if you want a Heisman, he would be one of four Heisman winning quarterbacks. I would put him on the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks if you want a Heisman, especially when you consider his the transfer from Louisville and all the other crap and the improvement that you saw, the story is fantastic and leading Florida state out of the Marianas trench of despair that we were really in at the end of the 2010s. I would, I put him on the Mount Rushmore. I'll go a step further. If he wins the Heisman and Florida state wins the national championship, I think he's got an argument to be the goat. Hmm. Uh, Brendan's covering his face. He's face palming. When you think about the totality of the story, and like I said, that I don't, I'm saying that I'm knocking on all the faux wood that my overpriced, like crappy desk has. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if I don't expect Florida State to win a national championship, but I'm telling you, if they did, it would be hard for me to deny that he would be the greatest quarterback of all time at Florida State. And that's. I mean, you got guys like Chris Winkie that led people to, to multiple and Jameis. Who knows what Jameis would have done with another year playing? You know what I'm saying? So there's all those variables. But, man, he would be in that conversation for me just because of, of, the, of the aura, the intangibles, man, which is really – that's so Jordan Travis because his effect is so hard to describe, right? Brendan, you've – You've been on the train for a long time. Hypothetical Heisman, hypothetical daddy. Maybe don't even talk about it if you don't want to jinx it. But I mean, I he's got a chance to solidify himself as one of the four to five, ten best football players all time at one of the all time great college football programs. If we're talking about like in the program in program history, I guess then, quarterback, 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 quarterback. Then I mean, so if it's quarterback, I, I'll. I'll yeah, do yeah, yeah. one further by going backwards and stuff. I don't think he has to win a Heisman Trophy or uh, make it to national championship game. I think if like he gets them to beat Clemson in the ACC championship game and he gets FSU back to a place where you're feeling some level of like pride about the program nationally, and, like 
I think he belongs in the top four for like FSU quarterbacks of all time because because of what you mentioned, Trey, like that he he was the face of bringing it from ashes back to a place of respectability. So like, I, I don't need a whole lot of convincing to to think of Jordan Travis as someone who's an integral, like super important person in getting this thing turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you have to win a championship to appreciate uh, everything that he's done as a player to, to improve, to buy into what Mike Marvell has done, to be a champion of Mike Marvell and his staff. Like all those things are really important of what you can be part of Jordan Travis's legacy. If he does win a Heisman trophy, if he does win a national championship, uh, I don't think you're crazy at all, Trey, for saying that he would be the, the like most magical player and quarterback or in FSU history, like definitely quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, because it's rags to riches, and that's a story that we can all get behind. American is apple pie, boys and girls. All right. One more question, because I told the people we'd talk about it. I don't know if you want to answer a couple questions or not before we get out of here. We've been over an hour. Very robust conversation. Go ahead, Brendan. I have some, before we get to listener questions, a real quick conversation piece for you guys. I pulled up from Front Office Sports. Uh, this is first-round positional salary ranking. So basically – Players who've been taken in the in the first round of the NFL draft all time, their career earnings. There are four positions that have over two billion dollars in their careers. Basically, like value of the important the importance of the position, longevity, uh, things like that. It just basically shows over time, like what what positions are really really valued at the highest level of football. Gotcha. Number one, number one is quarterback. Number two is cornerback. Number three, wide receiver. And number four, defensive end. Those are the only four that have made over $2 billion in in career earnings. FSU has potentially elite players at how many of those elite college players at how many of those position groups of those four? Three. Like, that's a really good starting point, right? Three and then very good. I I would take it even farther. They've got potentially four elite players at three of the positions because I think Johnny and Keon are. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. if Cypress is what he was last year, I mean, he's an all ACC caliber corner. Yeah. Then he's in that conversation then too. So that I think just from like a roster building probably. standpoint, like they've invested resources and, and just time developing and transfer mm-hmm. portal, all that stuff leading melding into like this team is poised to do something very special. We talk a lot about the depth deservedly. So I think that's what this like most important exercise to me has shown is how comfortable I am with the depth. But if we want to look at potential star power at the, at the college level, like positions that really matter, um, I, I think FSU has has a chance to do something special this year based on how they've built this roster. Okay. Speaking of the roster, so I, w- I do want to get to it because I did tease it at the beginning. Adam, I'm going to go with you first, put you on the spot. From a total team talent perspective, now this is not a blue chip ratio. This is not a high school recruiting rankings thing because Florida State's roster is constructed so differently than the traditional. A team talent perspective where I'm talking about how good, the amount of good football players they have, whether they got them as elite high school prospects or they got them as elite transfer prospects or it's guys that started off low that they developed into good football players. From a percentage of good football players on this roster perspective, where does Florida State rank nationally? Are they top 20, top 15, top 5, top 10? What do you think? Hmm. Percentage of good football players. That's my percentage. Yeah. Which I'm using as a roster talent. I I think they probably have a top 10 roster. Um, The the problem becomes 
the gap between like like you said yeah. like seven and one that's or because, seven that's and what two. becomes really difficult i mean i think that they can probably be competitive with anybody pure roster talent wise because i think jordan's that good i think you've got two two of the better wide receivers on the outside they can are matchup nightmares if this offensive line was more proven and we knew it was going to be a little bit better and you had one more defensive end that you knew mm. could take that next step. I, I think you'd push them in the top four territory. Georgia is just that much better than everybody else. Like that, and that's a year long stacking upon yeah. stacking yeah. of the upper echelon of elite high school talent. So the fact that Florida State is even able to catch up in the manner that they did in the speed, yeah. which what they did, is very impressive. But that is a that's a talent gap that you're going to have to overcome if you want national championship aspirations, i.e. that is where having a good X's and O's football staff helps. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think? Top 10, top 15? I think Adam laid out a very pretty cogent argument. Yeah, I, I would say that top to bottom talent-wise, you're going to be less than the Georgias, the Alabamas, the mm-hmm. even, potentially, yeah. even potentially LSU who's consistently getting top 10 recruiting classes. Um, what's hard is I think you have elite, a talent, elite talent where it matters, like Brendan was just getting at. And that's going to, that's going to pay dividends. Um, that, that that's going to make you competitive against really anybody. Um, it, like on a down to down basis. I, I think there, there are places where, I mean, I, I don't fully trust this offensive line um, against really elite teams. I don't fully trust those safeties against really elite teams. Um, so it's like there, there are holes on this roster, just not any that I, I see getting exploited, particularly by anybody out of the top, outside of the top 10. Okay. Brandon, do you yep. agree? And it, it's one thing too, the the veteran experience on this roster, I think, is something that is a true benefit, is a true asset to them. We've seen multiple times, and I'm sorry for invoking the name, but teams like Wake Forest with guys with beards, car payments, and eight kids, they can <laughs> drastically overplay their talent level because of experience in the system, veteran presence, something that Florida State has taken forever to finally build in this year that they are going for it all. Shout out the battle's end. So, Brendan, what do you think, man, just from that pure good f- roster talent in terms of good football players? Where do we stack up? I mean, I think – Top 10 safely uh, is where I'm at right now. And I think okay. it was you, Trey, who said development has been a big reason for this, right? You have so many guys with so many years in this program and that combined with what they brought in with the transfer portal. Um, yeah, I think top 10. Like how many teams, maybe like pose it this way, like how many teams do you think had more talent than them across the board last year when they played? Like 20, LSU, 20. maybe did they oh. played LSU. LSU had more talent. I would take LSU's Ooh. roster. LSU, Clemson. Clemson. Um, I mean, in, in terms of pure talent, like I'm not sure Oklahoma didn't at the end o- of the year. Oklahoma, yeah. I think, did. Um, what about Florida and Miami? Florida, Miami. No, I don't think Florida recruited. and Miami did. Florida, maybe. Florida was Miami didn't. I mean, 
like we're talking about developed talent too. Like that does. Yeah. I would like take NC State. Oh, I thought you were talking about like pure, like raw, like recruiting, like not just recruiting ratio. Okay, yeah. As far as like percentage of talent of like good players, there was only maybe uh, like three or four teams where it was like, yeah, they had you beat, and you still found ways to beat those. Teams. To beat them, right? Like if say if we like we're able to get GPS tracking, right, and be able to mm-hmm. tell yeah. who has the best right. app, all that stuff. Um, so last year, like you were in like. 75th to 80th percentile probably from a talent perspective in, in the power five like it now probably jumps to 90th percentile with everyone you have brought coming back and who you brought in yeah i i, I think this season's gonna boil down to when we're talking about the rosters and kev was talking about like safety and stuff like this i think this season's gonna boil down to if there's an offense that can block this defensive line i think this defense is gonna have some potential issues but I think you could say that about a lot, most defenses, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, the majority of them, if you can block their pass rush, they're going to struggle. Or if you can block them and run the football, they're going to struggle. It's just how many teams are going to be able to block them. Like, and outscore I'm, the offense. No, that, I'm fairly, you know what I'm I mean, certain right? that Georgia could block them. Alabama probably could block them. Um, but again, we're talking about the upper, upper, upper echelons of where we're trying to get to. Um, and then where still where it makes me uneasy is how many defensive lines can beat this offensive line still. And that, it really does still worry me. Um, I mean, I've been pretty bullish about what I think bless Harris can be, but I don't know it for sure. And we haven't seen it. And every time I mentioned it on the message boards, people come back at me like, well, he's only played one game and he got hurt and he didn't have a great track record at Lamar, um, you know, and there's a lot of who knows where Jeremiah Byers is going to play. There's been some conversation. He may not even be a a starter at the beginning of the year. Like, so a lot of unknown there, Kevin's point, like the anti Fabian Lovett point. That's kind of like what this offensive line is for a team that does have these high aspirations. That's the one unknown because we haven't seen it all work together at this level. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. Oh, to add on to that. You know how you beat Florida State in 2023? Don't tell people now. You're going to do it again? Nick, you you beat their offensive line. That's that's what Louisville did. That's what NC State did. That's what Wake Wake Forest did. You beat FSU's offensive line. You take away the run game. And I think that they're going to... They're going to... If you can beat their offensive line and still keep two safeties back, like... That's how you beat any offense. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. But admittedly, that's going to be so much more be a difficult little more to difficult do this. Than it was <laughs> right. Was. So that's yeah. the question. How many? How many teams do you think can legitimately beat FSU's offensive line with four down guys? But like, so that's a good question. Like, but I do want like this offensive line yeah. hasn't been built in the mold of like potentially being a top five offensive line in the country. Sure. What they've invested in is depth to make sure you're not, you don't have to play a hurt Darius Washington at a position that he wasn't playing all season against Wake Forest. What you're protecting against is an insurance policy of Robert Scott doesn't get back to be 100%. Like reliable. You built a reliable, deep unit so that you're not in the catastrophic scenario, right? They may not be able to, they're going to dominate lesser talented teams. 
and but they're gonna they they might not dominate the really really good defensive lines, but I feel like it's more of a like like a stalemate offensive line. Like it's gonna give you just enough for all those that plethora of freaks at the skill positions, led by one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, Jordan Travis. I think it's gonna be good enough to score a lot of points. Yeah. All right. Quick hitters from the from the chat. Are there any good ones, or should we skedaddle out of here? No, I think it's a lot of just conversation based on kind of what we're talking about. Um, there's some folks, you know, what happens if only 50% of the transfers hit? I mean, there's a lot of worst-case scenarios out there that we could go mm-hmm. through that. We're still a hurt fan base. <laughs> like, what about yeah. the best-case scenario? What if they hit at the same rate that all the other Marcus ones? Lee is a, that, right? Marcus Lee is definitely – Kalen Deloach's number one fan, and I give him a lot of respect because every every list we've done when we've been on here, he's been in the comment section. Yeah, like Kalen, yeah. And here, yep, absolutely. He's he's very talented player. Along, so yeah, respect, respect to that. Um, who's going to the LSU game here? I'm uh, I'm just blowing through here. There was a lot early that were good that we yeah we just covered it all at the time. All the ASMR talk. Most miss should be top three. You need to be able to snap the ball. This is uh, Brendan. That's right. That's right. The the inside joke that will never die. <laughs> it continues <laughs> to live on. Almost Gosh, how old later. is that joke now? It's almost about a year. a year. Almost yeah. a year. Maybe we'll do oh, a team draft coming up. Box checkers versus landing stickers in like a month. Oh, fantastic, guys. Look right, forward to that. We'll are we going to do anything different with that this year? Come on. Oh, Did we even determine who won last year? Yeah, we'll we fig- once again we'll figure it all out we're still in the off season things to come inside jokes being revived anniversaries we've got team drafts we've got consternation about the format and you can see it all play out here on the Knowles 24-7 YouTube channel the X's and Knowles YouTube channel the Knowles 24-7 message board my god if you haven't signed up yet you're being a bad teammate, a bad friend, and a bad a bad lover. Just go and get on the Knowles 24-7 message oh, board. You don't want any of those things attached to you. So sign up right now. Paramount Plus rules. If you got kids, it's Paw Patrol over the place, man. You got no excuse not to be on this message board. Love you guys. Great discussion. The 40th list. We made it through another one. This is almost real football time, guys. Stick with us a little bit longer. Keep jumping.